0: Welcome to Africa on Focus, where we share our success stories, Africa, the continent, the young diaspora, entrepreneurs, influencers, changemakers, and so much more. I'm Miss Abba and this is Africa on Focus, the podcast. I'm really happy to uh, have him here on board on this interview before he's going to be overly booked and we can't get an opportunity to talk to him anymore. So uh, I'm just <laughs> grasping the opportunity. And uh, this, very sh- this very guest is one that I'm really, truly excited about. Uh, probably one of the few opportunities uh, before, you know, he hits off. Um, a startup re-engineering policy consultant. He's a researcher, lecturer, and missionary. And his 18 years of work experience has exposed him to more than 78 countries all over the world. Uh, I'm wondering if he could, you know, speak other languages alike. And some of the highlights of his work till date is one where he was part of the team that led J-Life Africa in Ghana, a non-denominational movement to develop leaders across the African continent, which is also a topic that we'll talk about. He's trained almost uh, 500,000 young people globally, and he's the immediate past head of programs at the Dunkwa Institute and now the founding member uh, founding Director, excuse me, of Kandifu Institute. And uh, without further ado, I would really like to uh, invite him to the conversation. <laughs> Let's see if, if the connection is uh, is in tune uh, as well.
1: <laughs> good,
0: good, evening. Okay. good evening. Good evening. Palgrave Thank you for, for being on the show. How are you?
1: I'm very well. Thank you, Abba and Donnie, and a very good evening to all of you. Doing very very well.
0: good evening. Very good evening. Uh, I I even can see people that are watching from Ghana as of today, so I'm super, super excited. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How has been your day?
1: Well, today has been extremely good. I clogged in into the office at about 0600 a.m. early in the morning. Oh, wow. um, Doing a number of readings and um, doing a number of policy work. The president is going to be speaking in the next uh, two hours to address the nation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A number of measures that are being taken concerning the coronavirus, and obviously following global news on all of the racist actions that are happening around. I'm sure we'll have time to talk about it. So it's been an extremely absolutely. good absolutely,
0: absolutely. Ah. I'm very interested uh, to to know your take on that about the craziness of our of our world, and yeah. uh, how how is the the semi lockdown in in the motherland? Because I know from family that it's uh, it's not as tight as here in Europe.
1: Well, yes, absolutely. Um, the lockdown, it's it's going very well. You know that the mutation of the virus is extremely different from what we have in Europe, and so um, it's yeah. changed a little bit as we travel around the world. And um, we we we're finding gradual recoveries for the number of people that have tested positives, and yeah. uh, it's quite encouraging just to see a number of measures that has been put in place by Noguchi Memorial for Research Centre and the KCCR yeah. in Massey and um, a number of the health facilities that are working very well to make sure that everybody's keeping safe.
0: Uh, well, again, uh, uh, Mr. Dankwa, uh, thank you for uh, for being here on the show. Before we get things on, because we would really like uh, our listeners to know just as much uh, as we uh, know about you and, of course, more. Um, we would first and foremost, and that's what we ask every every person that comes on the show, we know you, you know, with the list of accomplishments and all of that. Um, but if you could describe yourself, could you share with us who is, uh, is Palgrave?
1: Well, thank you very much. Um, I've had many people ask me the meaning of my name, so maybe I'll just start from there. Uh, Palgrave is simply sure. a Jewish sure. name. It means someone who is faithful, loyal, and committed as a friend. And so um, that's my name. So my name is Palgrave. It's my father's name. My father gave that to me. On a, I was born on a Saturday, so I'm calling up on because I come from a royal family. Um, I was named after a man called Mr. Fremplon, so I'm called Fremplon as well. And my family name is Bwache Um I was baptized a Catholic, um, um, confirmed an Anglican as my first communication in terms of communion. I was ordained a missionary as a Baptist, and uh, I'm a full-time Baptist minister with Trinity Baptist Church in Ghana. Um, briefly, that's Palgrave.
0: That's short Man, and that's sweet. <laughs>
1: <Man>.
2: <laughs> that's short that and name, sweet. That name has a journey in itself. Like, absolutely,
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: is, is there a story behind it? Like, uh, like, did your mom ever share, or your parents shared, oh, this is the reason why we gave it, or this is, was any of that involved?
1: Well, I'm 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 not too sure. I had opportunity to ask my dad why he named me Palgrave, but I I know that um, I'm the last one of seven boys, and so mm. on my birth certificate, my dad was expecting a female, so my dad named mm. me Ivey, I V E Y, which mm. is um, pronounced in other and other countries as Ivy, but he mm. named me Ivey. Mm. So on my birth certificate, you would typically read Ivey Palgrave from and Aquame Kwachitanga, mm-hmm. and so. Um, I'm not too sure what his history is, but when I was one <laughs> I was baptized in the Catholic Church. I was giving Peter as my christening name, and so okay. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> as, uh, so many nice. many facets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we
0: would we would like to know because um, you know, I, I just introduced you, and um, I think it's safe to say that you've been um, to more countries than myself and Donny have been all together. <laughs> um, <laughs> You are definitely, you know, you cover what it means to be a global African. Um, could we know what is, what is your educational background and what part of your story brought you to everywhere in the world
1: almost? Okay, okay. So growing up, I, I went to university primary school, which is a primary school um, in the premises of University of Ghana, because my dad was a medical doctor and lectured at medical school. So that's why I went to primary school. Then when I was done, I went to Addisadaw College. Um, it's it's, it's um, a mission-based school in central region, Cape Coast. I, I studied science, and when I was done, I came to University of Ghana. Um, I did all the usual courses that everybody does at the University of Ghana. I did Bachelor of Arts, um, humanities course. My combination was sociology, political science, linguistics, yeah. um, psychology, and social work. So at the time, we were doing five courses. I completed with a major in sociology and then a minor in psychology. Um, when I was done, I fully um, obeyed the Lord's calling and went into full-time mission work. So I transitioned from Ghana to South Africa, where I went to study for my postgraduate in Christian youth ministry, South African Seminary, and um, I did that for a year and a half, 18 months, and then I got work to do with Jesus Life Africa in Johannesburg, in Pumalanga, Fontaine. So um, mm-hmm. that was where I was commissioned as a Baptist missionary. And J-Life gave me opportunity to travel to all the 78 countries um, to basically do disciple-making youth ministry, to build up youth ministry leaders, to be able to do disciple-making in the manner in which Jesus did. So I did some work in Middle East. I I studied in Jerusalem, um, went to Jerusalem a number of times for um, what we call pilgrimage. But um, ours was a study tour. So I studied Jesus' life from his birth right up to his... um, Ascension so crucifixion and then ascension and um, remarkably today is 50 days after Jesus's Resurrection so the Christian world is celebrating Pentecost today um, which is much, it's, it's worth mentioning and um, I did I did a number of work in North Africa I did a number of work in South Central Africa I did a number of work in Southern Africa and Eastern Africa then um, I did I worked with Life for 10 years and I came to Europe um, to do some work I came to study Asperger's um, to do a master's of theology in advanced Christian studies at Spurgeon's College, while I was mm-hmm. at Spurgeon's, I took an additional course at Oxford University with OCCA, Oxford Centre for Christian Apologetics. And so um, I give honor to my professor, Dr. Ravi Sakarias, who um, was one of my greatest Christian apologists as a teacher. And um, I came back to Ghana to um, work with the Dankwa Institute as the head of programs. I was there for one year, and I moved on into other assignments to pioneer my own think tank, which is Candifu Institute, which I'm sure we'll have time to talk about it. But yeah. in terms of education okay. at the moment, I'm doing an LLB, I'm reading law. Um, I'm literally yeah. three semesters away to finish my LLB grad and um, be, go and do my qualifications. And I'm just a few weeks away actually from completing a master's in in a master of arts in conflict, peace and security with Annan International Center. And um, well, ahead of us by January 2021, I will start my doctoral, which actually will be my second doctoral. I'll start my mm-hmm. doctoral with um, NIPS. NIPS. NIPS is um, a doctoral school based in Ghana, but it's connected to a Swedish school. So basically.
0: Wow. <laughs> uh, speak, speaking of education, never ends. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Man, I'm, I'm education awesome. never ends. <laughs>
0: I love it. That that's a true example of you never stop learning.
1: Absolutely, you need to keep the brain working every time.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I agree. That that direction that you do is is not personally my cup of tea, but absolutely have all the admiration for 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 all of the knowledge that you take on, and at the same time, you know, traveling around the world. What I think is really um, interesting is you know, there's like um, um, the big threat. Uh, within your whole journey is of obviously the missionary work. Um, yet, in spite of it all, there is this other part which you always touch on no matter where you go, and that is uh, leadership, and particularly youth leadership. Um, how did this come about, and what role does it play within all of the many facets of the work that you do?
1: Thank you. You know that um, when you look at the global statistics, um Actually, in Africa, we have 50% of Africa's population, young people being under the age of 25. Um, In Ghana, we have 57% of young people being under the age of 25. And so typically, young people have a role to play when we look at the development of our various countries. When we date back to the 18th century, 17th century, 19th century, 20th century, even up until now 21st century, you will realize that most of the transformational revolutions that has happened ever in any of the countries that we have ever read about or ever visited were engaged by young people. Because young people are the people that will take the risk. Young people are the people that have the energy. Young people are the people that are old. Young people are the people that are serving the internet and reading some more. And so we, we realize that when it comes to the conversations of leadership, young people must begin on an opportunity to come around the table to be able to share their minds. So in the next 37 years, Ghana is going to be 100. Ghana is going to be 100 in the next 37 years. It's important that when we are having policy conversations around the next 37 years, we have young people who are in their 30s, young people in their 40s, who in the next 37 years will be it's it, it really, well, it's important that we put this together because sometimes the, the role that the young people play is either misunderstood that the young people want to take over the responsibilities of the older people, but we do not want the young older people to leave. What we're trying to say is that there must be a reinforcement. There must be a reinforcement of the younger people right. into the older people. So we need the older people at the table, but we need a lot more younger people at the table. So we need one third of the older people at the table, and we need two thirds of the young people at the table of the conversations when it comes around development and leadership. Mm. So does
0: that mean does that rid of the, some of the older people?
1: Not necessarily. Not necessarily. So if we if we if we take a population of 57% of the younger people being at the age of 25, and we take a population of about 18% of the older people being above 60 or 70, we can do a permutation of X number of younger people pairing up to a number of older people. So then there's a bit of a mentoring relationship and so then the younger people can gradually transition into the older people's responsibilities at the younger age so they can be able to journey that milestone to be better understand some of the issues that they will deal with as they grow and also learn from the older people, when they have some some real time experiences that they need lessons from. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. So let let's let's go back so that you know people could really uh, could really know what you're highlighting. And uh, by the way, I see a lot of pro. Uh, Kandifo Institute supporters really in in the timeline
1: (laughs) for those
0: those of you who just tuned in we are having a talk with uh, uh, Palgrave who uh, took the time uh, live from Ghana to have a chat with us young people um, residing in the city of Amsterdam Uh, keen to support, you know, our our motherland in every aspect, to know how uh, youth leadership uh, plays a dominant role in the development of Ghana and Africa as a whole. And uh, while we are talking to him, uh, feel free to drop comments, send us some questions, because we're going to have an opportunity to also look at some of the questions uh, that you have. Um so let's go let's let's take a look at Kandifo Institute you know what what is that about because i feel that all that it is that you're covering is is highlighted within um within the institute i know it as a think tank uh but could could you shed some light on what it what it's about what it stands for and which okay. which are some of the changes it's going to make
1: Absolutely thank you very much so Kandifo Institute is a public policy advocacy, very interested in individual liberty, very interested in conservatism, is right-centered, very interested in free markets. But we are also very passionate about youth development. So we are passionate about young people thinking along various decisions that is going to impact their life and their journey. So um, Candifo Institute primarily, I set it up um, thinking through it. Um, Kandifu is a local word, which means leader. So it's a three word, which means leader, Obi someone who is a leader. And uh, typically we would say ADKAN-4 or a d 4 So the people that are leading, um, there are people that have gone ahead of us, which are the a d 4 or omo So that's the concept behind the Kandifu Institute. So basically we we have a number of focus areas that um, we primarily look at. We We focus very strongly on mentoring the young people. So we have established a leadership program where experienced professionals, and this is where we talk about the elderly people, will be linked up with a number of selected mentors who will mentor them in leadership in line with their tenets and traditions, that is particularly to be savvy and be able to communicate on critical issues on governance and economy. Our second area of focus is policy dialogue. So we do a number of policy dialogues where we organize regular policy dialogues on topical and critical national issues that that are addressed by eminent intellectuals to give direction on national development discourse and actions. We also focus on targeted research. Research is extremely key when it comes to African conversations because the data and the science as we are aware in in this season of covid is what is helping every single leader, every single president make the decisions going forward. So we do a number of targeted research where we do research that is of interest to government and research that is of interest to public life. We, and we always ensure that we involve the intellectual presentations of the discussions on research that are resource related to governance and the economy. We also do objective analysis of national issues. And so Kandefu Institute is nonpartisan. We do not wear any political party color. We do not have any funding from any political party. We are are extremely um, nationalistic. We look at our political orientation as red, yellow, and green in terms of the national flag. And so we do objective analysis. So our institute often undertakes objective analysis on national issues, which we use data and assessment methods, which is best benefit-cost analysis, to consider the spectrum of alternatives. And also reaffirm choices and positions, and often this 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 will predicate government decisions on objective and evidence-based analysis and reporting. We also mm-hmm. use technology for development, and so we you know that we live we live in a technological world. So I, I like this platform that we are using this evening for our conversation. Yeah. So yeah. Our, growth, our growth is actually related to technological advancement, and has become an inexhaustible resource for efficient, good governance and. COVID has shown that the third world countries that are moving from primary production into secondary production need to up their game when it comes to technology. And so we use the ICT in terms of governance and how it can contribute to the entire development of the economy. And then also we look into grassroots development. So sometimes you can be at the very highest level of leadership and then you leave the very people at the base. So there are conversations about rural development. So we need to be able to bridge up the gap between the rural and the urban so that the rural can become more urban and then the urban can become more modernized. And so that kind of conversation, so we never leave the grassroots out. Um, In terms of some of our initiatives that are underneath (laughs) the Institute, we have nine initiatives that um, we focus on very strongly. Quickly, I'll just go through that. We have an initiative that is called the Leadership Hive. So our Institute usually undertakes monthly leadership series programs that is very packed and very impactful, is resourceful, and it's challenging, and it's transformative. Since we began the institute, we have trained 1,500 young people from 10 different mm-hmm. universities. And um, usually this is a monthly series where young people will meet, with, will meet to educate and challenge their thoughts on how to be transformational leaders, ready to effect change in the society. And our institute often will hold a national leadership conversation because it's important that we have a bit of a national leadership agenda. There are people who, who suddenly rise up to leadership without any skill, without any training. We say that leadership is an art and it's a science. It must be studied. And when you have an opportunity to lead, you need to be able to use the tools and the models to be able to ensure that you are leading effectively and you are leading right, as Americans will say. We also have an initiative called the Economic Hive, which is basically an initiative that is a quarterly economic conversations which detail the concerns of the people in the country. And so how the economy is managed and the impact of the economy on, on, on the development is extremely important. So these economic conversations will be held at the very basic level, right up to the tertiary level. And so when a, when a minister of finance reads the budget of the year of the pre of the following year, it is important that we break it down to the junior ones who the young people who are aged between five and ten. And then break it down to the college senior high people who are between age 15 and 18 and break it up to the tertiary people so that it's not just an understanding of the working class but everybody clearly understands it. We have an initiative called the Governance Hive. This is an initiative that I'm really very passionate about because many people misunderstand what governance is to be politics. Politics is not governance. Governance, governance is an extremely different thing and we, we have many people that have risen up into leadership where they, they mix up the two and If you mix up the conversations around governance and leadership together then it means that we are not looking into the development of the country and so our governance is really a governance conversations that streamlines between the root and the ruling so this is where we bridge the gap between the citizens and then the government and i've seen that this COVID has given every single government an unprecedented open effort to see the need of the people that they are ruling. And so many of the governments are, are, are doing a number of stakeholder conversations with some of the people that they are ruling. It didn't used to be that. And I I, I do pray and hope that post COVID, these conversations will happen, where we would have the, ruled, the ruling having conversations with the rule. And then we are very passionate about mentoring and coaching. I'm 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 am I'm a product of mentoring, I'm a product of coaching. Um uh, yeah. in, in, when I live in South Africa and um, you asked if I speak any other language, but I'll give i I'll give a, a Zulu proverb which says Ubuntu Uguntu Ugabantu. Ubuntu Uguntu Ugabantu is a Zulu proverb, which means that you are not an island, you are who you are because of other people. So you do not exist yeah. as Ooh. an island. So our mentoring and coaching hub is established to mentor and coach the young candy which is the young people that are coming. And this is where we bring experienced professionals to be linked up with selected young people to mentor and coach them in leadership in line with the tenets and tradition that is particularly serving to some of the objectives that we believe in as an initiative. We have an initiative called Let's Go Lower. So, Let's Go Lower is an initiative that looks between the conversation between young people from the ages of 13 right up to the ages of 30. It is out of this initiative. For which reason that we performed extremely well, that we started having conversation with the Duke of Edinburgh Award scheme and then the Head of State Award scheme. I'm sure we're going to talk about it later on. So this is an initiative is where we naturally yeah, young yeah. people to get them become interested in democracy, to get them become interested in governance, to get them become interested in economics, and to get them become interested in the entire conversation of governance. When I was 18 years old and I was going to vote. I'm not too sure why I voted for that particular political party. But since I've been involved in the conversations around politics and governance and democracy, I've realized that the various political parties have become extremely religious and dogmatic. So there are people that are born into a political party. And I think that as young people, we need to be more enlightened to be able to change that conversation. So the fact that my father is in political party A does not mean that I cannot be in political party B. And so we need to have those kind of conversations. So it's as a result of that that we set up this initiative called Let's Go Lower. Let's go lower to be able to start the conversations with the young people whose future is being determined by the elderly people. We have an initiative called Let Her Lead. The Let Her Lead initiative is one of the primus inter pares initiatives because we hear young women and elderly women speak about women empowerment. We also hear them speak about feminism. One of the things that we want to say here very clearly that i'm happy that donny and abba are on the same platform because abba has the skills that is needed for her to be on that platform abba is not on this platform because of agenda, gender and so we're having conversations that goes beyond feminism we're having conversations that goes beyond women empowerment and we are saying that if you're a woman you are not marginalized you are supposed to come to the table with your skills present your certification and we have seen in recent times that the various persons that were sworn in to be chief justices to be Supreme Court judges. We, we've we seen her, Professor Henry Tamesa Bonsu rise up to the occasion to be called to the bar, to the Supreme Court judge. And so that's, it's because of her credentials. It's not because of her gender. So we have this initiative to start making sure that we start changing the narrative of feminism and start changing the narrative of women empowerment just because of the feminism aspect. We also have an initiative called um, the MP assembly shift. The MP assembly shift is where every single four years, we change in this country, Ghana particularly, we change our parliamentarians every four years. In other countries like Liberia, it's a six year tenor. So Liberia would typically do a 12 year tenor, but Ghana yes. does an eight year tenor every now and then. So we want to be able to bridge the gap between the assembly and the MPs, the members of parliament. So the members of parliament are supposed to be legislators. They are not supposed to be parliamentarians to be involved in the down the down development of the local constituencies but because the local constituents do not understand the role of their parliamentarians they have mixed it up for the parliamentarians to be involved in the developmental agenda of the grassroots that is why the December seventeenth referendum, which the president was seeking to ensure that we take the local politics down to the MMCs and DCs was extremely credible, but we, we couldn't run the referendum for obvious reasons that many of you may be aware of. But we want to be able to bridge the gap between the local assembly and bridge the gap between the people that are in parliament. So if you come to my constituents and you promise A, B, C, D, you shouldn't make those promises for me to vote for you and then don't do anything in the three and a half years and come back again to ask for my vote. We should be able to be, you should be able to be accessible. And so this initiative is there for us as a think tank to be able to bring resources and research materials that are credibly available to the constituents and send it to the MPs for them to know what is happening in their constituents. We have two last initiatives, which is the battle we, We've had a recent conversations around vigilantism. We've had on the fact that Ghana has become a beacon of peace and become an example to the sub-region of West Africa and then has become a gateway to the sub-region of West Africa, South Africa likewise, but they have little pockets of vigilantism and state actions. Now it's important that we remind the young people that peace is important. I have lived in Liberia. I've seen the impact of war. Liberia is almost two-thirds young people. Because of the war, every single elderly person died. And we have young people who are under 20 years old, who are becoming younger parents. I don't think that anybody who has no experience war, who says that peace is not important, that person should have a taste of war because no one wants war. And so we have this, um, about to assume a pledge where we encourage young people to pledge for peace every now and then. And then we set up our, our think tank center democratically to be thinking around elections every four years. What are the issues that are coming up from the various political parties? What are the issues that are coming up from the various presidential aspirants? Can we analyze these manifestos? Are these manifestos, do they have short-term goals, medium-term goals, long-term goals? What does that look like for us as a country and as young people? So we have a number of these initiatives and uh, my board is chaired by Nana Dr. Danka He is the president of the Chamber of Commerce. And um, I have a few, I serve as the executive director Um, My colleague, Patrick Nyako is the head of policy and strategy. I have another board member, Dr. Mesa Abrampa, who is the um, director general for NDPC. NDP is the the National National Development Planning Commission. And also, um, the young man who did the GPS for Ghana, Ghana Postcode, he serves on my board. I have a few fellows. I have Ebenezer on my board, and my fellow Ebenezer on my fellow board, and then a number of other persons.
0: That's
2: several
0: ramp board and um yeah so this is what kind of put us right Man. <laughs> and
2: we need um, another hour full of interview just but but questions.
0: that 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 was the announcement Donnie we're gonna have him back on the show
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um you know upon upon my question as to um how how you were gonna do that you know um because the image, you know, that we have as youngsters, especially in the diaspora, um, where often in general, African leadership as a whole, whether that be in politics or any other uh, uh field, you know, uh youthfulness is nowhere related in any sense to the current leaders that we that we have, not in age. <laughs> and also not in, in taking actions. And I love how you, you know, you went into detail uh, uh, of the particular programs and how you, how you intend to reach the ultimate goal of, of youth leadership. But what about, you know, convincing young people to get on board? Because um, one thing I know from, you know, often going back home, the, the trust of young people is often, you know, uh, tainted in some way. Um, especially, you know, after that, um, that phase of graduating, looking for a job, you know, securing uh, income, uh, that plays such a significant role in um, the distrust that a lot of young people have. So, I really would like to know as to how far you've gotten. How is the convincing part of, of convincing young people up to this point?
1: Well, thank you very much. I, I I think that young people do not need to be convinced. Um, it, 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 it's okay for, yeah, you know, wherever you find yourself uh, of, in terms of your sphere of work, you are involved in a political activity. And mm-hmm. so um, politics is defined as the engagement of an activity that brings to the development of a country. And mm-hmm. so when young people go to look for work to do, they can still be involved in the conversations of governance and the conversations of democracy in the conversations of the economy and all of that like. And so in terms of uh, conversation with young people, we encourage young people to not necessarily be activists, but we encourage young people to do the thinking because you have a lot of the time, you have a lot of the resources available and um, you, you, you know, you know what is going on. So when Mm -hmm. young people should not just look for money, young people should look for knowledge because knowledge is what will be with you for the rest of your life. Once you look for knowledge, the money will follow. I always tell young people, plant (laughs) seed bearing fruits. Many people do not desire to want to plant seed bearing fruits. But when you plant seeds that are good seeds, they will bear fruits. But if you plant seeds that are bad seeds, it will not bear Mm fruits. And so it's important that as young people begin their career, whether entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. work, or going into unemployment it's yeah. important that you are, you allow yourself to go through the various phases of your development mm-hmm. because many young people start of life i mean you know i i didn't get here to i didn't get here in one day to to become a policy analyst and a consultant and be involved in the conversations of governance it's 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 you, you you shouldn't start your life in that way you should you should go for a career go for a career when you get your career all the other thing comes on board because then you have acquired enough knowledge, enough experience as you mm-hmm. keep acquiring more and people will trust you more because then you have a track record of things that you've done in past time that can be brought into relevance in the present mm-hmm. time.
0: Thank you. I saw you, Don. You, Don, you were, you, I think you had a question as well.
2: I, I don't even know where to start. Um, <laughs> well, I'll say, I'll say this or uh, what I do find important is um, in your in your academic studies. One of um, you have a you majored in uh, sociology and minor in and minor in um, psychology, and then afterwards, you've yeah. done and now you still engage with uh, social economics and with people, especially with the young ones, right? And yeah. just now, I've I have a couple of uh, questions notes that I was striking while you, um, you were talking, but just you know, we did uh, make a point that that young people should, I mean, people should be looking for knowledge rather than money instead, right? But it's, it's hard, <laughs> it's hard to tell someone who's trying to get by, you know, just trying to find, well, not even their next meal, but not necessarily for them, but, for the others, for their for their family or whatnot, to tell him to look for knowledge rather than um, um, money, and in some cases even, and I the, the what I will refer to is well Kanye West when he dropped his first album Graduation <laughs> which was his two thousand six or five, and the whole the whole point of Graduation was the fact that and he had like skits in it. And he was like, all right, so my dad went to school and he has all these um, degrees, right? And at the end of his career, at the end of his lifetime, he had nothing to pass on to him except from those degrees. And his problem was, what am I going to do with these degrees? One, it's not on my name, it's on yours. Secondly... (laughs) all the knowledge that you did acquire within this academic studies um i can't use it i like i can't go to the bank and cash it um yet still so that was like the point so the point is all right you can chase all the knowledge that you want and can accrue and or, and whatnot in your career however if not translated into action or into wisdom which is application of knowledge in my from from my definition then it becomes useless in a sense for instance i i know all the parliamentarian officers or mps or even the president or whatnot they've gone to prestigious universities and all that yet still the policies that or the um their behavior within um their roles or tasks is 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 like you know, that is where the distrust is coming from. Like you people, you people have gone to the unis, you've gone to the schools and studied, And still this is what you guys come up with. So, you know, it's, 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 it's two things at the same time. And you are now still, you're bridging that gap. Can you please focus or, or elaborate on how these two ideas or ideologies that conflict or contrast each other, how that still kind of makes sense. Cause I still believe in, you need the academic knowledge and academic background and research and all those things. And you have to be able to translate it into wisdom and into, but you know, can you, can you please you know, elaborate on the, those three things and the synergy that has to
1: be created there? Okay, sure. Thank you, Donny. So you, you're very right. Um, a false balance of that is an abomination. And so it's extremely important that you get a holistic balance of the knowledge And you get to the holistic balance of the money because if you do not have the knowledge you cannot acquire the wealth and if you have the wealth and you do not have the knowledge you will lose the wealth and so you 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 need both so um i i i have i have three i i you know i i'm not sure simultaneously so simultaneous is like doing two things at the same time but i have continuously so like doing three things at the same time so you're studying you're working you're studying okay so that's really what you must do so you realize that your parents your parents do have a responsibility over you for those of us in this century our parents do have responsibility over us up until first degree the rest is up to you i'm not sure whether you 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 guys experience that but I mean, when I was growing up, um, I, my, my parents were done with me after, after my first degree. So I needed to find my way up. Okay. Mm. And um, you need to be able to plan your life. So at a stage, you need to say, I'm, I'm going to either pause on my education and then go look for a work. And then when you go look for work and you're stabilized in your work environment, you need to say, I have some weekends which are free. I'm going to look for schooling where I can go for a weekend school. If you are done with your weekend schooling and you want to marry and procreate and add up onto children and the like, you will say, I'm going to post on my studies some more and then I'm going to go and marry and then have children. And so one needs to be able to put together their own life plan. I have always had a reviewable life plan. I've always had a plan A, I've had a plan B, and I've had a plan C. I've always had an entrance and I've always had an exit into any of my decisions that I make. So once I- Where did you get I this interview? Interview, I'm sorry? Where did you get this
2: idea of having, um, you know, an entrance and an exit and always having a plan? This is something so, someone you, your parents have to, have, you know- No, about. my
1: parents didn't tell me that. I'll tell you, I'll tell um, you. I mean, I, I, my upbringing was extremely different. You know, I, I grew up during the PNDC era and I don't want to remind anyone of anything. But my my parents were in exile, okay, so my mom and my dad were exiled into the United States of America in New Jersey, so we are in New Jersey for a while and then um, we came back to Ghana to continue our studies and then we lived at Camp. so I lived at Camp number forty eight Juba Villas with an uncle who was a guardian, okay, and I lived under military regime during that time, and at the time of my growth, I'm not sure I learned any of the things that I'm talking about a number of the things that has become my learning path. I have learned those in my grown up ages where I took to my missionary work and my missionary endeavor for 20 years taught me a number of things. I had, I had a foster father called Steve Harson, who lives in the USA, Minneapolis, who mentored me extremely. And so he invested heavily in me, gave me a number of books. I read close to about 5 million books and I have a house full of books. So I, I have learned these things based on the things, the knowledge that I've exposed myself to, and also based on the things that I've allowed myself to learn and to be involved in. So, and I read Shakespeare. So the thing I spoke about is Shakespeare. So Shakespeare has, has a quote which would say, all the world's a stage, and all the men and women are merely players, you know? So Shakespeare will clearly say, and then he says that they have their entrances and they are their essence, okay? And Shakespeare will conclude that part by saying, each man plays seven ages. So seven ages means that people at 70 years don't have anything to contribute anymore. So you, so you know what I'm saying? So that's really how my learning ages have been. And I've used that to advise myself and I've used my life to advise younger people. And so yeah. I, I am at a stage where I'm stating that the things that you read in the books must be contextualized. So when I went with my other organization, which was headquartered in South Africa, We had a Western approach, but because I worked worked primarily on the continent of Africa, I needed to contextualize the test to meet the African context, which was extremely important. It's not something I learned at the University of Ghana. Sociology did not teach me that. Psychology did not teach me that. You understand? And post my my University of Ghana degree status, all my studies had been in theology in terms of seeking further studies of God. It's until recently that I came back to social science to read law, and then to read a master of arts in conflict peace and security no mentor sat me down to tell me palgrave go and read law palgrave go and read masters in conflict peace and security i just found myself in an environment where i felt i wasn't too prepared for it but god gave me an opportunity so because i wasn't prepared for it and god gave me an opportunity i said let me now build my preparedness with knowledge so i went to read law let me build my preparedness with knowledge so i applied to Kofi and let me build my preparedness do a PhD, a doctoral in a social science course. So I'm applying to NIPS and I'm starting in January 2021. So it's a bit of a life plan that I've put together. And uh, I'm not sure my I'm not my dad was a medical doctor, I'm not sure that he, he ever put this together. My mom was a state insurer, I'm not sure she ever put this together. My my men, my guardian whom I lived with at Bemmercamp, was a military man, and you know that the military people go to work and close at 1:30 p.m. I'm not sure that I learned that from him. So it's been my own studies that I've learned as I have grown up, based on the materials that I've exposed myself to. I'm, it's a Sunday. I told you I've been here since 6 a.m. I'm, I'm not sure how many people will go to work on a Sunday. You understand? But it's a self-discipline that I put myself. And I'm not sure I came here at 6 a.m. because I had an interview at 6 p.m. You understand? I mean, I could have come to my office at 3 p.m. to prepare for an interview at 6 p.m. But I came at 60 a.m. Right. because right. I had a lot of things that I had to do. So it's important that you always set yourself ahead of the game. That's what I always tell my friends. Set yourself ahead of the game.
2: Do you personally mentor some of your uh, 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 the young ones within the uh, the initiative, the mentor initiative that you uh, um, have? with?
1: I, I do. I do. Um, over the years, I've had opportunity of mentoring close to about 500,000 young people. And um, these 500,000 young people... Personally, personally, wow. personally, yes, personally. And um, I've, I've kept close relationships with them over the past 20 years and counting. And so there, there are a number of pictures that I can show you of young people that I started mentoring. There are testimonies that they themselves can share um, because sometimes you're not too sure the impact that you make in the lives of people. But one word or two, just giving up your time. You know, proud to come to this interview. There's a neighbor that is just behind my home who had a little bit... Of a challenge, and I needed to step down to hold that conversation. And it was extremely important to me, as much as this interview is important to me. So I'm sure that when Abba sent the message, she realized that it took a bit of time for me to respond. But I needed to immediately just in, in, mitigate whatever challenge that the young people are facing. So I live my life for the young people, and I've, I've had I've had young people that have come along my way, and God has helped me. I've never looked up on I've never looked down on them because you know the young people come with no resources. They don't have money to give you. They don't have intellect to give you. They don't have anything. They come in their raw state. So you need to invest more. But one of the things that mentoring does for the mentor is that the mentee rather build up the mentor. Because if the mentee asks, poses you a question, and you do not know, you, the mentor, go to read more. Then you can come back to your mentee. So that's what yeah, that's what many, many mentors do not know. But intentionally as well. It's important that when you're in a mentoring relationship, you establish that relationship very well because there's accidental mentoring and there's intentional mentoring. But mm-hmm. all the 500,000 young people that I've had, it's been an intentional mentor, mentoring. It's been with extreme intentionality where I've had monthly conversations with them. I've had yearly conversations with them. I've reviewed their goals. And we never run our calendar January to January to December. We always run our calendar September to September. That's how we run our calendar every time. So,
2: yeah and then one final thing um that you you, you don't look down upon uh, upon uh the young ones or uh you know but um just it's a you know it's a matter of semantics but when you say let's go lower lower within its uh, you know its definition could mean you know let's downgrade or to an in your in your ideal or mission statement of of or slogan of going lower, it can be misinterpreted for that you are at a high place mm-hmm. and you know you want to go step take steps lower um trying you know it can it kind of would be sounding like you patronizing the young ones um is that something you you would agree or see? Not at or... all.
1: Not at all. So, like you rightly said, it's a matter of semantics. But um, yeah, you know, when, when when we look when we look to the conversations of going low, I mean, obviously, if you are someone who is in your fifties and forties, uh, if you if you stand up to a younger person who is two years old or three years old or fourteen years old, you're typically maybe taller than the person, so you need to bend down your head. Okay, so that 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 takes you a bit lower. So it's really just a matter of semantics. It's not like you, you have reached a state of noxious and you are higher than the young people. And so you want to be the one who is going to teach them. No, um, no one is a repository of knowledge. Your, your brain is not a repository of knowledge or a factory where you, you, you can um, ascertain everything. Um, there, there are some things that young people teach elderly people and there are some things that elderly people teach young people. So it's really just a matter of semantics. But the real concept of the Let's Go Lower initiative is really the fact that the young people have been neglected. And um, everyone can clearly understand that. And so we are saying that leave leave that state of neglect and come back. So it's really it's really coming back, coming back to the basis.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I love that. Um, I'm, I'm so happy we have, you know, we will have another opportunity to talk more about uh, the Institute and more about your plans at the moment. We've got so many questions rolling in. And before we go into the <laughs> questions of, uh, of our viewers, um, I would really like to know from you, because I next time when we talk again, we're just going to go more into the actual meaning of youth leadership and um, also the contributions that the diaspora is making and can make, of course. Um, but I would really like to know from you, you know, you touching on young people to such an extent and looking at the current crisis um, um, that, we are, that we are in. Um, COVID-19, you know, which has truly impacted people globally. Uh, of course, also young people as a whole. And the jobs available for young people seem to be even more uncertain. Um, What are some of the, you know, as a leader, as a change maker, as we would call it, what are some of the opportunities that uh, you really feel young people should pay attention to and that you're also working on?
1: Okay, thank you very much. Um, And so COVID-19 presents a lot of opportunities um it's got it's very good side and it's got it's very bad side but i'd I'll, I'll like to focus on the good side COVID-19 gives us an opportunity to move from a state of where we are to where we want to be it shouldn't be of us refilling the gaps where we have lost we should rather use the opportunity of COVID-19 to fast grow ourselves so Ghana is typically considered a third world country into development, and so we must be able to move from primary production onto mm-hmm. secondary production, and then mm-hmm. finally grow up into a tertiary production country. In terms of young people um, being adequately prepared within this season, I tell the young people that they should focus very strongly on their soft skills. And so what I'm working on now with the youth employment agency is that I'm doing a number of advocacy and I'm doing a training for soft skills. So young people need to build their soft skills. So Donny um, made an example of the fact that um, there's not much you can get from your education in terms of your certification, because um, if your parents hand over certification to you, it's not, it's not something that you can live on. But mm-hmm. one of the things that you can live on is your soft skills. And you, you wouldn't get that from you wouldn't get that from your education. So soft skills are your attitude, your character, your discipline, your integrity, things of that nature, your ability to communicate. Your ability to be prompt, your ability to think upon your feet, your ability to resolve problems. I tell the young people to focus on soft skills because when you go into a a conversation of employment and the employer wants to employ you, most employers put away the certificate because now many people are losing trust in the certification because just someone across the street can be able to gain that certificate. And so it really is not for the cream de la cream, everybody has it. So, what is your unique selling proposition? which you can bring onto the table. Your unique selling proposition which makes you better than the other person. is your soft skill. What are the soft skills that you can communicate? Are you quick tempered? Are you able to solve issues? What are those issues that you can look at? And so as we look at COVID-19 and we look at youth development and we look at youth leadership, it's important that the young people are adequately prepared with these opportunities that are available for them. That's a good
0: one. Um, um, what what do you also do you also observe any uh, within the digital marketing and tech and these type of yeah futuristic industries, as I would call them? Yes. Yes. Do you also see um, opportunities in other sectors? Because uh, I'm just um, calling out to be an example. Some of the, the, the sectors that you also focus on is agriculture, for instance um yet in in on a general level, we look at digital marketing tech and and these particular industries to be the industry for the future um do you see do you observe any major developments that young people should attend to in other sectors or specific industries?
1: i agree um you know tech is one of the things that young people need to start focusing on so if we if we enter into the environment of AI, which uh, many people are speaking about. So artificial intelligence is one of the things. Robotics is one of the things that is coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my friends and colleagues who live in the US have robots sending them their parcels when they buy things. Um, mm-hmm. So robots are doing deliveries and very soon, uh, very soon, the human, the human force labor is going to be replaced by AI. So we, we encourage young people to be able to pick up courses and mm-hmm. be able to start coding. If you can, I I I used to script in Java and Oracle. So if you can script in Java, you can script in Oracle or C++. I'm sure there are other better versions that has come up. Maybe these days look too yeah. old, but I mean, whichever whichever field that you can get in terms of building up um, your 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 experience when it comes to the tech world is it's is something that you should open up yourself to because mm-hmm. that's where the world is going into. The world is moving from the old way of doing things and embracing a new way of doing things. And the digital world is what it is. So economies and and policies are going digital and whatever is being done is, we're taking into consideration, how do we digitize this? Because the economy is going digital. Very soon, many people will not like to be holding money. So currencies is going digital, you know? And so those things are important for us to start looking into it.
0: Well noted. Um, before we even going to round it up, which, which I wish we had so much more time, but I know the President's address is also very important uh, around uh, a later time in, uh, in Ghana. Um, we, have, uh, we have Lady Charity Akpagbe Ofosuhene, who says, for I agree, uh, comes at the right time to initiate intentional mentorship which we basically need in Africa right now. Do you agree that that mentorship hasn't really been uh, defined to its full right uh, within Ghana?
1: Well, thank you very much. I think that I'll I'll take the perspective even beyond Ghana and uh, make it an African one um, because I I have a bit of an understanding of the African continent and what it looks like. You know, in in Africa, we believe that elders must be head and children must not be seen. And so that has trickled down very strongly in our conversations when it comes to mentorship. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have a rightfully placed mindset of mentorship. So my mentor, Steve, who has a PhD, I call him Steve. I don't call him Dr. Steve. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, it doesn't mean I disrespect him but in the african context when you have someone who is mentoring you you cannot question some of the things that your mentor tells you because then you you, you are considering your mentor as a god meanwhile your mentor is not a god and um, a repository of knowledge of everything so i do agree that in africa we do not have a good understanding of what mentorship is and i do agree that it's important that we bring those conversations in at this stage where the young people look out for intentional mentors. And the mentors also do not look at the young people as objects and tools of of vigilantes or objects of tools of running errands for them. But they Mm -hmm. value the young people as a replacement of themselves. And so if you consider the young people as a replacement of yourselves, you would want to invest in them wisely. Investing in them wisely in terms of their career path, in terms of their educational path, family path, choices that really bring changes into their lives you are there for them at the very right time. That is when you are doing an intentional mentor. And then also the young people should be, you should be accessible to the young people as a mentor. You, you shouldn't be inaccessible because the young people can, should be able to call you anytime and you as a mentor should be able to reach out to them. And then also it's important that the mentor relationship is established clearly. There are people that do see other elderly people as mentors, but the elderly people do not see them as mentees. And so there's a misplacement, and the, it, it must always be. It must be a horizontal relationship between you, the mentor, and the mentee. That that horizontal relationship must be there, and then also there must always be a vertical relationship because you must always remember that we are here on earth, and for us that are Christians, there is a man up here. So as you keep your horizontal relationship with your mentor, you also keep a um, a vertical relationship with your mentor, who is about.
0: Thank you. Uh, another question that we have from Nathan Um Edu Aquama, who says, liberalism approach to Ghana and Africa's development. How can one join Candifo Institute, please?
1: Well, so um we, you 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 can It's a good question. You you can you can join our institute, we're on Facebook. Um Kandefo Institute, um, just type in Kandefo Institute and follow us on Facebook. You can easily come to our office. Our office is located at West Legon. Um, you can easily send me an email. Um, my email is my name at pbdankwa.com and palgrave at pbdankwa.com or send an email to Kandefo Institute, which is info at um, um you, can, you can follow us on Facebook, like I rightly said, send us messages, follow us on WhatsApp, um, we are available. Um, but you should know that when you come to join Kandefo Institute, it's not um it's not a holiday it's work it's work it's not <laughs> holiday it's work because then you need to you need to you need to be you need to realize that if i as the executive director of candifu institute is starting work at 6 a.m you you, you better get here early and then mm. if i'm closing at 10 p.m um, you, you better also be prepared to close at that time because that's all, that's only way you can grow you understand The the whole conversation of starting work at 8 a.m. and closing at 8 p.m., at 5 p.m., those hours is not what is going to get Ghana to develop. We need to be able to change that narrative. We're talking about the diaspora being involved in the national conversation. The diaspora, Abba and Donnie, come to Ghana, they understand night work, but they come to Ghana and every single thing everybody does in the night is party. How can they be involved? Because then ABBA wants to be able to sit down in the evening and work. But then the entire culture and DNA that is built around the Ghanaian society is party in the evening. If it's not party in the evening, it's sleep in the evening. If it's not sleep in the evening, you you understand. And so if we want to embrace the diaspora, we need to be able to inculcate the DNA of the Western world into the African culture. That DNA is a DNA of discipline, a DNA of respect for time, a DNA of punctuality, a DNA of the fact that if you say you're going to do the road, you do the road. If you say that the light is going to be on, the light will be on. If you say that water is going to flow, it's going to flow. So it's not if the, if the diaspora get here and they're extremely frustrated by staying in traffic for three hours, I'm not sure that Abba is going to come to Ghana anymore or Donna is going to come to Ghana anymore. You understand so that mm-hmm. entire conversation is extremely important and so liberalism is an approach to Ghana and Africa's development you are welcome to join Kandefo Institute a think tank that strongly focuses on public policy research individual liberty libertarianism center right conservatism you you're welcome to join us
0: I love that, that's the, the working spirit. <laughs> um, also another question, we'll just take a few more last questions from uh, Akese sakwa Abenazer. If I may know from Palgrave, apart from all what he is saying about Candifo Institute, about mentoring uh, the young ones, where will these mentored young ones be after mentoring? Okay,
1: good question. So we, we need to be able to create space in the various institutions to accommodate the young people that are coming in. Every single year, we have thousands of young people graduating from the universities. These thousands of young people graduating from the universities cannot be employed by the government because the government employment statistics is one third of the young people that are graduating. What What can these young people do? They should enter into entrepreneurial work. The young people should go to school, should study, and should come not looking for work, but they should come creating work. When they create work, then they become relevant. I am not too sure if um, beyond the work that I did as a missionary for 20 years, um, all of my life, there's never been a stage where I've had an opportunity of presenting a CV to ask for work. I've always been an entrepreneur mm-hmm. in all of my journey. And I think that the more entrepreneurs that we are able to have in this country, the more developed we would be. And so to um, my my friend Ebenezer, I um, Sakwa, when the young people are mentored, they are mentored for their own self-development. Candifo um, Institute can be able to create access and avenues into some sectors where, where we may have some bit of influence, but that is not the purpose of the mentoring. The mentoring is not a vehicle for you to be employed by a particular government agency or a particular private agency. The mentoring is for your own skill, grow up, and your own professional career.
0: Right. And last question from Steve Mantz in Amsterdam, who uh, also mentioned that he's doing... Um, that he's representing Diaspora Development Network, who seeks to enhance the hidden potentials in our youth. Uh, He would like to link up. And his uh, question is, your answer to the job creation, DDN Holland has contracted a company lawyer who has gotten us an Investor Opportunities Network to build machine shops in all the 16 regions of Ghana to produce gadgets and small machines to do mass mechanical farming to feed the nation. Uh, with that said, uh, Palgrave, when you hear of these initiatives, do you see any potential when it comes to working with yourself and with uh, the young leaders that you are, are, are working on?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, um, these are good times and these are good opportunities. We, we have a pool of young people that we are mentoring. And so oftentimes people rely on us because um, they appreciate our credibility and how rigorous we go through with our mentoring that when we give them young people to either be serving in their organizations, they are going to be extremely credible because we ourselves are credible. And so, yes, um, we we do welcome these opportunities. And um, I'm, I'm sure Steve is going to stay in touch. I'm sure I'm going to get his details from you as well. And then Absolutely. we'll keep on the conversation. And so we, we are extremely open. Uh, we want to see the development of Ghana. We want to see the development of this continent. We want to see a young person becoming an AU chairperson who is bringing up this continent. You know, Nelson Mandela, may his soul rest in peace, gave us a good example of someone who fought for the independence and the apartheid to end in Liberia. The reason why he went to jail was the fact that he was fighting for equal rights. When he achieved that, and was president, he immediately handed over his presidency after the first four-year term to Tabo Imbeki as a successor. We should be able to start learning from such examples that if, if we fight for something, it's not, it's not about us leading that path. We always need to get a successor. And I think that Africa will fail if Africa does not get successors to be able to equally sit around the table with our Western brothers and sisters.
0: Hmm. On that note, I um, I think we have so much left to be discussing on uh, the next time when we will have you here on the show uh, to go more a bit in depth on uh, youth leadership and the responsibility that uh, our leaders, our current leaders, and our upcoming leaders have, especially as it relates to uh, our continent. Um, one thing, one thing I would really like to know from you, Power Grave, uh, you have a lot of young people who seek to make impact, uh, in, in whatever industry or whatever sector that they, they, they look to work in. What are, what are your, your words of encouragement for, um, for any young person who is, you know, 24, let's just say, let's just put it that way. Um, on top of my head, I don't know if, if national service is still, a uh, uh, running, but you know, is,
1: national service it, is mandatory. Yes, right,
0: right. So, around the 24, they are still on that. Uh, yes. Who's doing that, you know, and who seeks to really make an impact and be uh, an effective leader? What is your uh, words of motivation to any youngster who is listening at the moment?
1: Thank you very much. I, I will tell every young person listening to me that you have seven ages to effectively make impact. Mm-hmm. Consider each age 10. So you may be in your first age, which means you're in your 10s. You may be in your second age, which means you're in your 20s. You may be in your third age, which means you're in your 30s. You may be in your fourth age, which means you're in your 50s. It takes 35 years to change a generation. And so by 35, which is considered midlife, because we know that, I mean, 35, 35 is 70. which is considered mm-hmm. midlife. You should begin to start specializing. So... Um, the 20s are years of experiencing. So galvanize all the experience that you can.
2: Right. Volunteer
1: a number of places. Try out anything and everything. When you begin to enter into your 30s, which is your third age, you need to start specializing. You need to start specializing. And so at the end of your 30s, the reason why they say that life begins at 40, which is in your force, is that you have specialized and now you have decided that this is what you're going to do. So in your four to your sevens, you have 30 years to cause an impact and to leave a legacy. So my encouragement to every young person listening to me is that stop the departing. When it's your birthday, stop the party. <laughs> When it's your birthday, go into solitude. Take time to think about your life. Because in, in, in reality, you end your birthday in your celebration. So if someone is 40 years old today, The person is actually beginning the 41st year on the day of the person's 40th birthday. And so it's really not time for you to celebrate because then Mm. it's really time for you to see that you're growing. And uh, when you begin to look at your past life and your past pictures, you should be able to ask yourself, am I happy with what I did or am I going to be happy with what I'm going to do?
0: Yeah we ne, ne, for next for next interview i really want to ask you uh, some questions about that uh should life be partyless I, I would really like to know for you but we'll save that up for, for next time <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> i just want to give a, a few last shout out to those that engage with it, uh, with us in this conversation um a charity um i would really like to give a shout out to you uh patrick Nancon. Also, uh, a shout out to you who says Kandifo Institute all the way," watching you from Birmingham, UK. And yes, Patrick, uh,
1: Patrick, Patrick Patrick is 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 a fellow, and he's our head of policy and strategy. He's locked, up. he's locked up in London. Oh, 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 <laughs> yes, no. He's locked up in London. He needs to be coming back.
0: <laughs> he needs to stay healthy. He needs to stay, uh, stay on, his, yeah, on his toes.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> and also a shout out to uh, Eben, uh, who's a uh, boss man who, who made sure that this uh, conversation could even happen. Yes. Um shout out to you Evan for also tuning in every week with me Mileba Duncan Amo shout out to you for tuning into this conversation and of course our contact here from Amsterdam Steve Mens Amsterdam uh, who is from the Diaspora Development Network and who likes to get in touch with uh, Palgrave thanks so much for tuning in Palgrave we have two questions one is random one is relevant the, the, the last one is actually, do you have shout out? And the first one is, we always ask this, what is currently on your playlist?
1: Oh, in terms of song?
0: In terms of song, yes.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, I, I think earlier today, I was, I was listening to a song by Victoria Orenzi. Uh, Victoria Orenzi is a Nigerian gospel artist. And I, uh, she, she's actually one of my favorite gospel artists. She mm-hmm. is extremely soulful and right. uh, she is very relevant for me when it comes to spirituality. She brings me back to the cross. And so in right. terms of my right. playlist, Victoria Renzi makes it every day.
0: love that. And shout outs.
1: <laughs> thank you. Do oh. you have
0: any last shout outs or? Oh,
1: shout out. Yes, so I've been, I've been working the whole day with um, my PA. I, I just would like to say thank you to her. Uh, she's called Nanaba uh, Anaman. Uh, she's she's really one of the young people that we are growing and mentoring. I want to say shout out to it as well, and um, shout out to everyone. It's just too many people to mention, so I rather like to keep it simple. 000. I'm grateful to you, Donny, and grateful to I, I give my shout out to three people. So my PA, donnie and Abba.
0: Great, great.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it'll really be great to uh, to you know, because in uh, next week we have our normal Women About Business segment, but after that you'll be back on the show to talk to us some more. We have loads of questions. Uh, and especially touching on uh, youth leadership, what that specifically means for us and how the diaspora could be a part. Uh, Now is really also where the focus is on the diaspora a lot, uh, where the brain drainage somehow needs to be reversed. So uh, so we're really uh, looking uh, on your thoughts uh, relating to that. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. Thank and uh, we'll Thank be Hannah. catching you in uh, in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Africa on Focus. We air live every Sunday on High Radio from 7 p.m. Amsterdam time. Join the Africa on Focus platform on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Africa on Focus or visit ww.africaunfocus.com. And follow me on all your social platforms, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Miss Allah Shout out to High Radio and Q Vibe for the jingle.